We should pray. I need it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Father, we love you. We're excited to be in church today. We're excited to just be in fellowship together. We're excited just to, to worship you together, to hear from your word, Lord, just to be reminded around communion. That was so good. Father, thank you. Thank you for the fact you've been speaking to each and every one of us today. And Lord, I pray that continues right through to the end of our service and our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So title today, Josh, you want to put it up on the screen? Purpose in the Pit. Can I just say, I'm a really good graphic designer. <laughs> I really enjoy making these wallpapers. It's really, really fun. No, I've got some cheat software that does 99.9% of it for me. <laughs> Very good. Purpose in the pit. It'll become clear soon. As you know, our verse for 2020 is, for the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. What a good verse for 2020. What a great verse. And uh, when I first share that verse with you beginning of February, uh, concentrated on the uh, last line, his faithfulness continues to each gen generation. I had an example, I like examples, I like seeing things. So I had my family up here from the young kids through to my age and then through to the, the other generation. So we had the three, three generations on stage and the, the point of that was just to demonstrate that the faithfulness of God continues through each generation and and then there were family members who weren't on stage because they've gone to be with Jesus grandparents great-grandparents but their the the Christian heritage has continued throughout the generations it's been passed on so I wanted to illustrate that point but I want to focus on the first line of our verse for 2020 today and that is for the Lord is good Amen. For the Lord is good. And the key takeaway, I want you, if there's only one line you remember today, I want you to remember this. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember a whole heap. I remember one or two things. It's just how my brain works, and that's why I take notes. So I encourage you to take notes. Listen to podcasts. I, I listen to all our podcasts several times. And even when I'm preaching, I pick up things. So... But the key takeaway message today will be the Lord is good in every season even if we can't see it at the time. Okay, I'm going to illustrate this point from a few examples. A uh, recent life example of mine, uh, the life of Joseph. I love the life of Joseph and the life of Abraham. So a few weeks ago I shared my journey through a dark season in a message called If Nothing Changes, Nothing Changes. It's good. Grab the podcast, have a listen. Um, I don't share these things because I particularly like telling you what I've gone through. Um, I'm not in it for the sympathy vote, not at all. But I'm determined to squeeze every ounce of goodness out of life. And if I can share what I've learnt in adversity, in life challenges, then I'm going to do that. 
because I can honestly say the Lord is good in every season. Even if I can't see it, even if you can't see it at the time, he's good. Amen? Okay, here's a, here's a summary. So the key takeaway from that Sunday was if nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, and I shared a journey through depression. Uh, it got really, really bad. It got life-threatening. Um, and I sh- shared that journey with you. But in summary, by making deliberate choices and by the grace of God, absolutely by the grace of God, I've gotten through that season. Amen? Amen. And looking back, hand on heart, I can say there was purpose in the pit. Now, I'm not saying for a minute that it was God-ordained. I don't think God set that season up in my life at all. I don't buy into that. I think that's nonsense. But it's God used. Amen. God can use anything. Amen. It's called a testimony. I was here and God redeemed me. I went through this and God brought me through. He made me stronger. That's my testimony. Amen. Amen. So I can say there was purpose in the pit. I found purpose in the pit of depression. Amen. And it's easy looking back on things. Who likes hindsight? (laughs) Uh, Let's look at Joseph. I'm going to read from chapter 37 from Genesis. You will know this. You will know this story. I love this story. Uh, I'm going to read it from the message because I find it a really good reading translation. And I'm going to read the whole thing. So I've got my eye on the clock. We'll see how long this takes. And I'm not going to speed read. Chapter 37 from verse 2. This is the story of Jacob. The story continues with Joseph, 17 years old at the time, helping out his brothers in herding the flocks. These were his half-brothers, actually, the sons of his father's wives. And Joseph brought his father bad reports on him, on them. How's that? A brother dobbing on brothers doesn't happen, does it? (laughs) Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realised that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Now, even I know, don't have favourites. Or if you do have favourites, you tell each kid they're the (laughs) favourite. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Now, this Joseph was a pretty stupid 17-year-old. Anyway. His dream was, we were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up and your bundle circled around it and bowed down to to mine. His brothers said, so you're going to rule us. You're going to boss us around. And they hated him even more because of his dreams and the way he talked. It's like my kids arguing over who's going to open the gate or sit in the back seat. Can you just imagine it? (laughs) He had another dream. And guess what he did? He's not real smart. And he told this one to his brothers. I dreamed another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bound down to me. When he told it to his father and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous. (laughs) 
That's, that's when the fight started. <laughs> but his father brooded over the whole business. His brothers had gone off to Sechem, where they were pasturing their father's flocks. Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers are with flocks in Sechem. Come, I want to send you to them. Joseph said, I'm ready. He said, Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing. Bring me back a report. He sent him off for the valley of Hebron to Sechem. A man met him as he was wandering through the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? I'm trying to find my brothers. Do you have any idea where they are? Grazing their flocks. The man said, they've left here, but I overheard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph took off, tracked his brothers down and found them in Dothan. Dothan. They spotted him off in the distance. By the time he got to them, they had cooked up a plot to kill him. The brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these old cisterns or a pit or a well. We can say that a vicious animal ate him up. We'll see what his dreams amount to. (laughs) Reuben heard the brothers talking and intervened to save him. We're not going to kill him. No murder. Go ahead and throw him in this cistern out here in the wild, but don't hurt him. Reuben planned to go back later and get him. Anyway, Further on, when Joseph reached his brothers, they ripped off the fancy coat, grabbed him and threw him into a cistern or a pit. The cistern was dry. There wasn't any water in it, fortunately. (laughs) And a bit later on, Reuben came back to check the cistern and Joseph wasn't there. He ripped his clothes in despair. Beside himself, he went to his brothers. The boy's gone. What am I going to do? They took Joseph's coat, butchered a goat, and dipped the coat in the blood. They took the fancy coat back to the father and said, We found this. Look over it. Do you think this is your son's coat? He recognised it at once. My son's coat. A wild animal has eaten him. Joseph, torn limb from limb. Jacob tore his clothes in grief, dressed in rough burlap, and mourned his son a long, long time. His sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused their comfort. I'll go to the grave mourning, my son. Oh, how his father wept for him. In Egypt, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, manager of his household affairs. Now that's a lot to take in. And I know you know the story. It's a very common story. It's probably been taught in kids' church, it's a bit of a staple. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot to, to go on, a lot, lot going on there. And I just thought it was important to read the whole thing so you get a bit of an idea. You've got Joseph, who is obviously getting dreams from the Lord. There's no question about that. But Joseph's a young fellow. It says he's 17. And perhaps not as wise as he should be in the way he shares those dreams and visions with his brothers. And it results in him being thrown into a cistern or a pit or a well. We'll call it a pit because we're familiar with that term. How would you feel? Put yourself in his shoes. You've been given this dream, this God's obviously speaking to you. How would you feel? What do you think Joseph's outlook would have been like when he's laying at the bottom of that pit 
Now I'd say he'd be a bit bruised and injured from being manhandled by his brothers. And if you've got brothers, you know brothers are not gentle. It's interesting seeing my kids fight. They, they go from zero to ten, just like that. Don't, don't you, Josh? I've had to stop wrestling Josh because, man, he punches hard. Like, oh. So I reckon he was a bit sore at the bottom of that pit, a bit sorry for himself. It was probably hot. Could you imagine just looking up there, wondering where to now? Joseph had no idea of his future. All he had was the dreams, but at that very point, that very moment in his life, in the pit, he was stuck. And yet, there was purpose in the pit. I want you to take a moment and think back over the pit moments in your life. Close your eyes if you like. Just spend a moment just thinking over the pit moments in your life. And the thing is, when you look back, you realise they're over. Or maybe you're in a pit moment in your life at the moment, feeling injured, betrayed thinking what's happened to the dreams that God's given you for your future. You can't see a way out. I want to remind you there is purpose in the pit. You might not see it now. I'm not saying God caused that pit. But he will make purpose. He will make a way. Because I declare that the Lord is good in every season, even if you can't see it right now. I know when I was in my pit of depression, I couldn't see a way out. Well, I could, but it was a terrible way out. But the Lord was good. Amen. The Lord had a plan for Joseph's life. Now, I don't think that he needed to go through the pit to get to the end, but that's what's happened. That's what happened because he stirred his brothers up and he shared stuff he shouldn't have shared in a way he shouldn't have shared. I don't think he needed to go there to get where he ended up. But the Lord is good and he has a purpose for your life and he's big enough and strong enough to get you there in spite of the pits you might drop into on the way. So the Lord gave Joseph a dream. Genesis 37, 5 and 9 says, Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. (laughs) He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood up straight and your bundles circled around it and bowed down to mine. Verse 9, he had another dream and told this one also to his brothers. I dreamed another dream, the sun and moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. 
See, whilst he was in the pit, the dream was still there. The fact that he got into the pit didn't negate the dream. It didn't nullify it. It didn't wipe it out. Okay, he's in a pit, but the dream, dreams were still there. The purpose was still there. The dreams and the purpose that God has put on your life and given you are still there. Even in the pit, when you're bruised and down, just remember, look back on the dreams. I've got a folder on my phone. I just call it prophecies. And over the years, when people give me a word or Stacey a word or our family a word or our kids a word, I'll note it down. And my, my notes go back years. And what I'll do is I just keep reading over them. I'm reading over them. Oh, I've seen that come to pass. Or, or I haven't seen that, but I, I feel a stirring in the spirit. Or there might be a prophetic word I've been given that um, is not for now. And I just go, Lord, that sits well. I know it's not for now, but I just keep praying over it. And I'm like, Lord, just show me how, what I need to do. If there is something I need to do, to see that come to pass in my life. See, the thing about getting prophetic words is you don't just get them and they happen like that. You've got to press in, you've got to grab onto it. First of all, you weigh it up and go, yeah, that sits well. Because we're, we're all human. All, all prophecy that comes through human is coloured by the prophet they're coming through. So, And sometimes we get it wrong. But you know, if they sit there, I just actively read over mine and and go, God, is there something I can do to walk that path? Sometimes there is. And so when I get into those pit moments or I see myself sliding down, I read back over my prophecies I've written down and I start to dream again. Come on, church, it's time to dream again. Amen, it's time to dream again. It's not over until you're dead and in the grave. And then it just gets better from there. So, you know, it don't, doesn't matter how early you are or how late you are in life. You've got today. All I have got is right now, today. I'm not promised tomorrow. I've got today. By the grace of God, I'll have a tomorrow and another tomorrow. But I'm going to hold on and I'm going to walk out my dreams today. And you need to do the same. And if you don't have a dream... Say, God, give me a dream, give me a vision, give me a purpose. Because the Lord is good in every season. Amen. Every season he is good. Let's read on about Joseph. This is from chapter 39, verse 2. As it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well. That's good. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him and saw that God was working for good in everything he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned at home and in the fields. And all Potiphar had to do to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. What a good season. But then you know what comes after that. Another pit season. 
Joseph is accused of trying to come on to Potiphar's wife, falsely accused, and, well, you know the story. He ends up in prison for a couple of years. But the Lord is good in every season, even if we can't see it at the time. So we'll pick the story up again in Genesis 41, 41 and 44. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph. So he's got out of prison at this stage, but you know the story. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph. I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. The Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger and slipped it on Joseph's hand. And if you study Egyptian history and practices, you understand just what a miraculous thing that is to have occurred, how much power was conveyed on Joseph from Pharaoh by giving him his signet ring. He outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal. And as he rode, people shouted, Bravo! Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Pharaoh told Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. And the story goes on. And you know he's reunited with his family, etc., etc., etc. But at that point in time, when he's put in charge over all of Egypt, do you think he saw that when he was in the pit? No, of course not. He had no idea what God had in store for him. He had no idea. Wounded, injured, cast down, lost, stuck in the pit. He had no idea what was going to happen. Some of you had no idea what was going to happen in the pit. Amen? But there was purpose in the pit because the Lord is good in every season. Amen. I love Joseph. Love that story. Love that account. Let's talk about Abraham. I like Abraham. This guy is a pretty brave dude. Going to pick up this story in Genesis chapter 22, again from the message, because I like how easily it reads. I'm going to skip a few passages here just for the purposes of time. After all this, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham? Yes, answered Abraham. I'm listening. He had no idea what was about to come. <laughs> God said, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took two of his young servants and his son Isaac. He had split firewood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had directed him. On the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham told his two young servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Then we'll come back to you. Remember, God had told him otherwise. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to Isaac, his son, to carry. He carried the flint and the knife. The two of them went off together. 
Isaac said to Abraham, his father, Father, yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham said, Son, God will see to it that there is a sheep for the burnt offering. What faith. And they kept on walking together. I couldn't do it. They arrived at the place which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. I think Abraham, Isaac, I mean, finally worked out what's going down here. Imagine tying Josh up. I wouldn't get him down. (laughs) Abraham, what is he? Over 100 now? He either had a very obedient son or a burst of adrenaline. (laughs) Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Just then an angel of God called out to him out of heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Have you ever closed your eyes and just walked through that scenario in your head? My goodness, I have. I've put my position, myself in the position of both characters and I can just imagine if I was Isaac after that, I think I'd be shaking <laughs> as they're dealing with the ram. I think... And then I've put myself in the position of the father and I don't think I could do it, but I'd have this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. as I'd walked up the hill to ultimately kill and burn the body of my son. As parents, we all have our moments, but not that. There is purpose in the pit. The Lord is good in every season, even if we can't see it at the time. As... Abraham and Isaac were walking up the mountain. God was there. Abraham feeling sick to the pit of his stomach. The Lord is still good. Abraham was about to go and put his dream to death. He was about to go and kill the son of his old age. The miraculous son of he and his wife. But God had another plan. Coming up the other side of the mountain where he couldn't see it at the time, was the solution to the problem. And I get excited to that because I think when I can't see the solution to my problem, I think back on that story, coming up the other side of the mountain is the solution to my problem. And I go, God, I can't see it now, but I know it's coming. I know it's coming up the other side of the mountain. And I say to you this morning that your solution, you can't see it but it's on its way. Amen. Amen. It's coming up the other side of the mountain.
<laughs> it takes a deliberate decision to trust God when you can't possibly see a solution. But I declare that the Lord is good in every season, even if we can't see it at the time. These guys, Joseph and Abraham, didn't even know they're in the book. Do you think about that? I do. They don't even know they're in the Bible. They're in the first book in Genesis. They don't know it at the time. They had no clue. See, we can look at them, read their stories, learn from them, but they had no clue that millions upon millions of people were going to benefit from what they went through. There was purpose in their pit moments. Their purpose inspired people like you and I and generations before us and generations to come will be inspired by their pit moments. Amen? Because they had no clue they were in the book, but I'm so, good, so glad they are. Jeremiah 29, 11, and the music team can head back up now, guys. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I've shared times before that I used to think that meant that God's plan for my life was from point A to point B to point C to point D to point E. And if I happened to take a wrong turn, then I'd mucked it all up. But if you look at the Strong's numbering for that, you see plans, purpose is another word that could be put there. For I know the purpose I have for you, says the Lord. They are, it's a purpose for good and not for disaster, give you a future and a hope. Now, if God has a purpose for your life, that makes a little bit more sense to me because if I miss it, he can fix it up. If I need a course correction, he can do that. Amen. It doesn't matter if I'm supposed to get to point E and I skip B on the way and I go to A2 or something like that. Because he has a purpose for my life. He has a good purpose and a good plan for my life. And it's not A plus B equals C. It's I'll get from A to C and I'm going to learn on the way. And okay, there's going to be pits on the, moment, on the way, but there's going to be purpose in those pits. I just want to encourage you this morning that the Lord is good, that his unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Would you stand this morning? Father, I thank you. Lord God, I thank you for the times in our lives where we've been in those pit seasons. Lord, they're not God-ordained, but they are God-used. Father, I thank you for the lived experience, the life lessons that we've gained from those pit seasons in our lives. I thank you for the purpose that was in the pit. Lord, I thank you that if we're in the pit now, we still have purpose. Lord, I call out, I stir out those dreams that we had in our youth, those dreams knowing we were made for more. Lord, I thank you that we can look over and we know that you've got a solution coming up the other side of the mountain. And we can have faith, just like Abraham had, that you've got this, God. Even if we're sick to the pits of our stomachs with what's going on right now, God, you've got a solution, and we're going to celebrate, we're going to declare your goodness on the way. Father, 
Because if it's not good, it's not the end. Amen. Amen, Christy. Come and wrap this up.